Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us, and we're the hosts of The Mom Hour. On this show, we're joined by a team of unique mom voices from across the country and in different stages of motherhood to bring you tips, ideas, and encouragement, and to help you feel a little less alone. We all know that motherhood is a lot easier when real moms share honest truths and remind each other that it's all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 426 of the Mom Hour. I'm Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. How are you? I'm great. I'm excited to do our second Um, in this little two-part series of back-to-school listener questions. So we had one episode last week where we took, I think, five questions. And then this week, we're going to take four. And if you think nine back-to-school-related listener questions is too many, um, I will tell you that there are a lot of things that can go wrong. (laughs) There are. And a lot of things people just have questions about. Yeah, and questions from um, little itty-bitty preschoolers starting all the way up through big kids. Um, I was really pleased with the variety that we got. And yeah, I was going to say, if we can't solve back to school in nine different listener questions, then what good are we to the podcast world? But there are, there are many things that come up this time of year. So I'm sure we won't even, we won't even solve it. Do you know that if I'm, if I'm going back to when Jacob started kindergarten, uh, this is my, I believe 20th back to school year. And if I'm talking when he went to preschool, it would be like my 23rd, maybe my 22nd. Yeah. Yeah. And I have at least 10 or 12, depending on if we're talking kinder or preschool. So together we have, or not together, separately in our different families, different parts of the country, we have done back to school minimally 30 to 40 times. (laughs) Now we feel old. Yeah, no kidding. Um, Let's dive right in with a question from Lizzie, who is much nearer the beginning of her back to school. Not the very beginning, but but more beginning than we are. So Lizzie left us a voicemail. Let's listen to that now. Hi, Megan and Sarah. My name is Lizzie. I'm from Indiana. I love the show and I've been listening since nearly the beginning. My question pertains to embarking on a new season of motherhood in the midst of 
the back to school season. Um, I have three daughters, ages five, seven, and turning 10. And I've been a stay-at-home mom since my oldest was born. And last year, I did homeschool preschool with my youngest. So um, this means that I've had some combination of babies, toddlers, or preschoolers at home, often multiple, um, but at home with me year-round for a decade. So my youngest will start kindergarten in about a week and it's clear she's ready. And I'm actually very relieved to be sending her to full day school. Um, But it's also really bittersweet sending my last kid to elementary school. And it feels like an identity shift for me as a mom to go from being a stay-at-home mom with littles or babies or preschoolers um, underfoot to... Now I'm going to continue being a stay-at-home mom, but with all my kids in full-day elementary school. So I guess I'm curious of your perspective on the experience of this identity shift, um, the experience of sending your youngest off to kindergarten and kind of what that means for um, mom and any suggestions on how to navigate or embrace the change rather than be stuck in the bittersweetness. Thanks. Oh, Lizzie, 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 Lizzie. I remember being in exactly this place when Clara went to kindergarten. And um, I kind of wavered between a little bit of bittersweetness and like sadness over my identity shift. And then a lot of sort of like frenetic back to school energy. You know, the back to school energy we talked about in the last episode, Sarah, when Clara went to school, it was like that multiplied by a hundred because she was my last. And I was like, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to conquer the world. And then I just burned myself out. It was like the, it was like the lead up to it, the excitement and like the thoughts about all the things I could accomplish made me so tired before it it like even started that I think I just napped a lot and stared at the wall. I could not figure out how to organize my time. Yeah. Because I didn't have, it was the house was so quiet and I didn't have to go anywhere. And I had suddenly all this free time and I had gotten very good at getting things done in the margins. Yeah. And Clara had been home with you in the same way that Lizzie's preschooler was oh. home with her. So it really was for those who like do kind of the part-time preschool thing or the full-time preschool thing. Sometimes kinder isn't the the biggest change. Maybe the biggest change happened earlier for your family, but for you and for listener Lizzie, it really was like you had Clara, she was your sidekick all the time. And then she was in full day elementary school. And I really do think I was probably like mourning that without realizing I was doing it. Um, maybe grieving that what had been a bit, sometimes I don't realize that I'm having a feeling until a lot later, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but then I look Mm -hmm. back and I'm like, Hey, I was having that feeling, but it came out as this other thing. So I guess my advice to Lizzie would be to just give it, give yourself a lot of time. Yeah. Um, you know, you can navigate and you can embrace the change eventually, but you don't have to embrace it like by September 5th, (laughs) you know, um, you can find new ways to fill your time, but it doesn't have to mean filling from eight 30 to three every day right away. It can look very slow and gradual because it will. Even if you go in thinking you're going to hit the ground running and like this is going to be me putting like a bright, shiny face on what's happening, you are still it's still going to take time no matter what. Yep, it is. I mean, that's a big 
a big shift, a big transition. Um, I'll just talk about how it was for me, which is pretty different, I think, than both for you, Megan, and for Lizzie. But just timing wise, our business, the mom hour, it it really, really ramped up in like the year and a half before my third child went to kindergarten. So Violet did two years of preschool. I can't remember the exact schedule, but the first year was like three mornings a week. And the second year was like, I think, I don't know, four. It was still part time. It was not full time preschool. And so meanwhile, our business is growing and going from part time to very part time to like full time in the margins. And I loved that. I, we had so much energy in our mom, our business in 2018, 2019. Um, but I was really scraping by without enough childcare hours in the day. I was taking Violet to the gym, daycare, dropping her off in the gym, daycare, not working out because I would sit in like the lobby cafe area and work, work. And then I, I just remember listening to like you and I voxing while she's in the car with me. It was a little bit looking back. It was really pushing those childcare margins. And so for me, when kindergarten arrived, it was a huge relief and a huge cost saver to have full day, you know, public school, kindergarten, and my other two kids already in school that I was just like, oh my gosh, now my work can fit inside a container that makes so much more sense for it. Cause I had really been pretty aggressively shoving it into all kinds of night weekend and gym daycare margins in the years prior. Um, I loved that year of having all three of my kids in the same school, which I, I think, I don't know if Lizzie said that, but her kids are five, seven, and almost 10. So it's believable that they would all be in the same school. That was a really, in terms of identity, that was a really fun year for me as a identity, as a school mom, I had um, started volunteering in the library even before that, our, our school library. And so I really leaned in on that. I felt like I found my footing as a school volunteer parent in a way that I had been very slow to. I really didn't volunteer at all when my oldest was in early elementary school because I had little ones at home and I knew it wasn't my time yet. And I probably said it on the podcast, like you don't have to do all the volunteering equally spread over your kid's school career. And I really believed that. But when Violet went to kindergarten, I was really involved in their school. I felt really a lot of belonging at our school community. And so I, that was a really positive identity year for me, both in the work I was doing outside of my kids, but also in my identity as an elementary school mom. And then I only got that for 1.5 years and then COVID hit and (laughs) and then everything changed. So COVID happened in Violet's first grade year. So I really just like got my, was getting my bearing. So None of that is advice for Lizzie, but I do. She she asked for us to kind of share what our experience was like sending our last kid to kinder. And maybe we just are a good illustration of it can look very different. Yeah, I'm thinking about um, it sort of reminds me of like how sweet it was the, the last year when Clara was still home with me and the other kids were in school reminds me a little bit of the time before. Isaac was born and Jacob was little and he was like my little sidekick, just like Clara was my little sidekick. and there is definitely a switch to then having two children or having all your kids in school. Like it is undeniable, but I also think there's something very sweet and very fun about having all your kids in school together and like leaving in the morning together, coming home after school together, having their snacks all together and not necessarily having the one youngest who knows they're kind of the odd one out. And sometimes that can lead well, especially I know with Violet that can lead to some, left out feelings. It can lead to a lot of 
but no one will play with me or like I'm bored loneliness during the day. So you might find um, Lizzie that you're about to enter one of the sweetest periods of motherhood for you. And like, you can't get there without letting this part go. Um, So yeah, it's, I'm sure it's been great, but it sounds like this is going to be a really positive move for everybody in the family. And I think you just kind of got to let yourself feel what you feel and take your time. But also if it feels like this is time to get moving and shaking on a project, as you recall, um, when you were talking about Sarah, um, when Violet went to school, that being when the mom hour was really starting to, you know, pop off. Mom hour was actually started the year Claire went to school. Yes. Yeah. That's so, so true. Later in the yeah. year. But yeah, it, it opens up energy in a way that you might not see right away. But yes, can be really rewarding. And and just one final point on Lizzie. Lizzie's identity is as a stay-at-home mom. Those are her words she used in her message. And she says she plans on continuing to be a stay-at-home mom. And I just, to your um, recommendation, Megan, to not rush this, I just would, I would hope to remove any kind of hangups or guilt or like weird feeling about being a stay-at-home mom when your kids are at school, you have some time to figure out what that looks like. And yes, your time is going to be distributed a lot differently when your children are not underfoot. But also, if it looks like a few months of floundering around, or like you said, Megan, you took a lot of naps, like, yeah, just that's okay. It's just okay. Like, I think sometimes as whether we are working outside the home or not, there is this need to prove our like value to the family, value to society, like somehow attach a dollar sign or a substitution for a dollar sign to something. And just, it's also okay to have a season of rest. Um, and so fallow period, as I like to call it. Yeah. Yeah. And, And there's plenty of society that is ready to label or point fingers in one direction or the other, but just, just you do you, whatever that looks like for this next little bit. Yeah. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals. And Katie loved the herb crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, we're all comparing notes on our favorite product. 
Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of our place's products are made without PFAS, also known as forever chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, our place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. All right, our next question comes from Shelby, who writes, Hi, Megan and Sarah. My oldest is about to start kindergarten. We just finished our two-hour kinder boot camp info session. Her teacher is experienced and so sweet, and her school is pretty sought after. But after that session, I feel like our whole life will now revolve around school and its schedule. Part of this is our precarious daycare situation, but things like not allowing kinder parents to use the car line. So now I have to get her two little sisters out daily during nap time. And it's currently 110 degrees here or that their lunchtime on Wednesday is 930 a.m. So she's going to come home wanting dinner crazy early. How do other parents still feel like they're able to have some family autonomy while kids are in school? Or do I just accept that this is how it needs to work? Oh, Shelby, I feel you recoiling against this. Can the you, rebel can in you, you feel yeah. like my tension? My shoulders are up yeah. around my ears right now. You want to blow it all up in homeschool right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing, Shelby. I mean, I resisted this so hard that when I was like in your situation with my oldest about to start kindy and then in multiple other times when my kids were entering different, because we moved around a lot when they were really little, the bigger, the bigger ones. So they went to multiple different school systems. Um, I would have the exact same feelings that you have right now. And I'm not a hundred percent sure about this. This theory of mine may not play out, but I feel like the level of sought afterness of a school is um, proportionate to the amount that they often sort of act like you're so fortunate your kids get to get into this school and now let us run your lives. And that's just me being possibly even the words like sought after it. It's just that there's that terminology circulating around this school as being seen as desirable. There's a reason for that. Right. And I think sometimes it's like, um, like being the club everyone wants to join and now you have to work for it. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, yep. it's yeah. So there's, there might be a little of that going on in this, like in this session that you went to for two hours, <laughs> you may have been like, they may almost have been inflating the amount of work or involvement or investment you'll be expected to have as a parent as like part of their brand. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, to like I kind of I mean. impress upon the parents, like 
hey, your kids are getting, this is like serious business here. And this is how we do things. And this is how we do things. And it's all very difficult. Like lunch at 9.30 a.m. Okay. Like you can't use the pickup line or the car line. Okay. You know, like it's almost like another hoop for you to have to jump through as a parent. And as a parent who had many multiple young kids um, at once, (laughs) I just bristle against that. So I'm probably not super helpful because yes, I would want to blow the whole thing up and put them like in a super laid back school that didn't have those irregularities or um, homeschool. But all that said, it sounds like you're happy that your kids are there. And I think the, if I, if I calm myself down a little bit and step back from wanting to light a match and throw it over my shoulder and blow the whole thing up, um, there's probably lots of ways you're going to be able to opt out figure out workarounds like Mm -hmm. just because that's what they said during the session doesn't mean that your life is going to look like that. It just does right now. And I'm not sure how, I'm not sure how you'll be able to work around it. I don't know what the workarounds will be for you, but I bet you'll find them. I bet you'll find them too. And, um, I think this is a really challenging, it's it's funny. Our first question was about when the last kid goes to kindergarten. And this question is about when the first kid goes to kindergarten. And in both cases, the moms have like, you know, three kids spaced a couple years apart like Mm -hmm. mine. And it is, it's very different. And I actually think your first kid going to kindergarten or maybe it's first grade, the first time you're really in like a, like a bigger school system, it is really, really challenging. So first of all, just acknowledging Shelby that, yeah, your world is kind of being rocked and you are being initiated into a system with all kinds of rules. And Megan, when you were talking about the sought after uh, being proportional to the maybe the number of arbitrary rules. I also think that there could be a corollary between the size. I have been at one in particular, very, very large public elementary school that was, I wouldn't say it was really sought after. It was good in the area, but it was not that sought after. It was just so enormous that the the systems and rules of things like what what time things happened and what time you could pick up and it, it was like, it just felt so bureaucratic. It was, and I think it was more because of size than, um, yeah, like brand recognition to your point, but either way, it's a lot. Take a deep breath, Shelby. I agree with Megan. I think you will find as the school year, as you get into the school year, that there are rules and systems that you can mm, maybe opt out of, or that maybe it's like, they say that's the way it is, but actually it's perfectly fine. If you do it this other way, like you just don't know yet because you're so brand new. And that feeling of being a new little fish in a big pond is universally challenging. Now here's the part where I share how different I am from you, Megan. In general, when I was in this stage of life, I would leave an, a boot camp info session. First of all, I would be happy to be there for two hours and be in the front row. And oh my gosh, I would be like, yeah. twi- I would be like squirming in the back. Yes. Physically nauseated. Yes. If a meeting and goes on be, longer than 30 minutes, I would be so <laughs> happy to be there. And I admit, I actually felt a lot of almost relief when we got into public school, because I felt like all of these start times and end times and pickup times and rules somehow gave me like, this is sounds so silly. This is not a flattering picture of myself, but like almost gave me like, now I know what to do as this overwhelmed mom of three little kids. I, every time like a new school calendar comes out with the dates for things, I feel like a little safer in my body. I know that's so silly, 
But I say that just to share how different we are and how okay it is to, to have a different reaction than like the mom next to you. So like we had in our Facebook group, Megan, we had a very similar question that I'll link to because the responses were really good, but it was another mom of like, I'm feeling so much resistance to this, um, this change to where the school system now kind of owns my family's schedule. And I thought, oh my gosh, I felt so relieved to have someone else tell me what the schedule was going to be. Cause for so many years as a mom of little kids, I just had to make it up. So just, that's just to say we're all so different. We are very different. And, um, yeah, I, I resented, resisted. <laughs> I did not, I would have kept my kids out of school forever just so I didn't have to like do what I was told. So we're very, very different in that way. Um, I'm thinking though about things like this 9.30 a.m. lunchtime and I'm thinking, well, maybe snack becomes lunch. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's like, that's a workaround as an example of the sort of thing you might have more control over yeah. than you think. Or maybe there's a way that you can like figure this thing out with the babies at nap time. And I don't know. I don't know anything about your school's culture. I don't know what the expectations are. Um, I don't know if this is a private school or a public school. I don't know if it's a big school or a small school. I think sometimes those big public schools, they may have rules, but they also will often realize they are completely untenable for a lot of kids. Yeah, and if and you they, go in, they talk can't to them, enforce them. They can't it's a enforce school. Them. They will help you. You know, like you don't have to be the jerk parent who ignores all the rules and like gets in the car line when they're not supposed to. Like, it's not that it's more like, hey, this is really hard on my family or we can't do this. Sometimes that flies and sometimes it doesn't, but it's worth thinking about that. And then again, um, one thing that I think as a new school mom, when I had so much anxiety about the school taking over our lives, what I came to realize was that I still got all the hours after school and I still had so much room to make decisions during that time. Kind of like in the last episode, how we talked about your approach to homework and mine was a little bit different, but it kind of ended up the same in the end. Um, you're going to get to decide how those after school, that after school time, the evenings look, even though it might not seem like it, your calendar right now might be full of things that seem mandatory that you, it seems like you have to go to that are going to take up a lot of your time in September that will, that will start to, or August, whenever it is for you, that will start to ease up. And then you're going to find that you can almost get like, if you're like me, Shelby, some perverse pleasure mm-hmm. out of sort of thwarting things and doing it your own way. You just don't know yet what that's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess a final, a final point is that this is a relatively short amount of time. And this year of one in kinder and the other two really little and napping and at home, it might kind of suck. Like there's, yeah. we might have for all of our advice, it just might be a year where you do feel like the school owns more of your time and schedule than you like. And your little one's naps are disrupted. And to that, I would also just remind you that it's pretty fleeting. Um, the nap schedules of the youngers will shift. The weather will not be a hundred. I know it feels like it right now in August, but it will not be 110 degrees forever. The nap schedules will shift. Um, and you will be able to, like you said, Megan, kind of reclaim that family autonomy in your own way. It's just so hard at the beginning to know where those little spots, bright spots are going to come. And you don't know what's going to suck the worst. So like yeah. you might a, week, a month into school, you might say this Carline thing is untenable. So I'm going to partner with another mom who yes. believes it's untenable 
And, you know, we're going to switch on and off and the kids are all going to nap at one house for a week. And that mom's going to do drop off and pick up that whole week. And then we're going to switch or something like, I don't know what it's going to be. Some things you think are going to be terrible, aren't going to be terrible. And some things you think are going to be, Oh, like just not that great are going to be terrible. And then once you know, like objectively, not emotionally reactive, like I tend to be about people telling me what to do, but once you see it play out, and say, oh, okay, this actually is fine. It's not a big deal. But this is, you know, this is kind of still a sticking point. Yeah. What can I do about it? Mm-hmm. it that's just going to take time yep. to figure out. Now I want to know how it goes. So Shelby, if you listen to this and then remember, you probably won't remember because you have a one, three and five year old. But I do, I do love hearing real stories of like how, how all this yeah, worked out, out in the end, because yep. so much of back to school anxiety is us trying to solve for things that we don't have all the details for yet. And what's funny, even though we described our exact opposite personalities, Megan, we both have that. We both want to solve for things that we don't know yet how it's going to turn out. Like we, I think universally most people do. So, okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes. I'm not wearing things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, so our next question is from Helena, or perhaps it's Helena, like Helena Bonham Carter. Or Helena Montana. Which one do you think? I think it's Helena. That's what I'm deciding. But she's probably told us because this is a longtime listener. So I'm I'm so sorry, Helena. Sorry about that, Helena. (laughs) 
Let us know. Let us know. I'm just picturing a bottom carter right now. Okay. So here goes the email. I have a hard time with my eight-year-old daughter, getting her to brush her hair, wear clean clothes, etc. She's highly sensitive emotionally and has some sensory sensitivities to certain clothing and to the pain of hair brushing. So I'm doing my best to give her clothes that work for her, a shorter haircut, and like five different types of brushes and detangling sprays and conditioners. During the summer when we have just been home, she rolls out of bed and stays in pajamas all day with a huge hair tangle at the back of her head. When I ask her to get dressed and brush her hair, she refuses and takes my words as critique of who she is. I'm a single mom. I work from home full time and I juggle her four-year-old brother. So honestly, I don't need to pick a battle over looking presentable when she'll just be lounging at home. But I dread the start of school, third grade for her at a new school. I fear the morning rush, me being nervous to get both kids out the door on time and her resisting a routine that includes me or her running a brush through her hair. I feel broken and like I am running on fumes after dealing with my divorce, moving my kids and myself in with my dad last July, and I just want things to go well for them at their new school. So I know this is more my issue than hers. I'm just looking for some guidance around how to let her be herself while also dealing with my expectations that my kids look clean and well-groomed for school. Do I just let it go and let her figure it out on your own from peers and potential teasing or... I put my foot down and prepare for a fight every morning before school. Okay. That is a lot. And I'm just sending you a big hug because you are doing a lot and you're doing great. And there was something that I wanted to smile at, at like, I feel like so many of us have had summers where our kids have a tangle at the back of their head for the entire summer. I have brushed out some tangles like that, that are near dreadlock level of like where I didn't realize that a kid wasn't brushing underneath their yes, hair. Clara's like does that underneath. Uh-huh. Um, her top uh-huh. layer can look very smooth and great. And then yeah. the underneath is awful. When my niece Ruby was in that stage, we called her, we called it her Gary Busey stage. Wait, remind me who Gary Busey he's is. Like, well, he's an actor that's, I think he's maybe been booked a few times and there's like, um, there's some, <laughs> There's some images of online when he's been in like his lineup. You know what I mean? Those photos, his booking Uh photo. And Uh it kind of was what she looked like. Hair crazy, but also very fine hair. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need to tell you. Okay. Well, um, I think I wanted to start by just acknowledging kind of like we did last week with the mom who felt like they'd done nothing this summer, that there are summers of surviving. And Helena, you are not alone in having had a summer where your kids are in pajamas and their hair is tangled. And now you're staring down the barrel of a new school year and being like, right. So we do actually need some wheels on this train to be approximating the tracks. So just that's where we're starting with this. Um, I really love that Helena says she understands this. Some of this is her issue, but on the other hand, there's a certain standard of which like kids need to be clean to go to school, to be yeah. healthy. Like what's the saying? I We've talked about it. Clean enough to be healthy, dirty enough to be happy. I think that was, I, I think my, okay. Oh, my grandma used to say that my mom took it. So clean enough to be healthy, dirty enough to be happy. Like there's somewhere, somewhere in there. And, and how do you set the standard as a mom to avoid those battles in the morning? That's like the, that's the million trillion dollar question. Yeah. Um, and I would say that you just have to start somewhere. You just have to decide she's going into third grade. She is not new to the idea of 
personal grooming and rules. Even if you relax things all summer and things have been all over the place post-divorce, this child is not um, new to the idea that everyone takes care of their bodies and um, nor would it be good for her to not have any expectations for personal grooming. Like she does need that. And you have to start somewhere and decide what the bare minimum non-negotiables are. And maybe you start really, really easy. And maybe you start, if you've got time, I don't know how this is landing in your school year, but if you've got a week or two still left in the summer, maybe you start practicing with one non-negotiable thing per day. And it could be at night. It could be wash hair with leave-in conditioner at night. And you're going to sit there together and listen to an audiobook while the tangles get brushed out. And then um, you're going to like, she has to brush her teeth in the morning and she has to pick out a clean shirt the night before. Like maybe there's like the bare, bare minimum that you start with and then you stick with and you see how that goes. Yeah. Um, okay, Sarah, I have some, I have some thoughts for Helena, but I just sent you via Voxer, a picture of Nick Nolte's mugshot. Now, oh, this, I know Nick Nolte. <laughs> so Gary Busey's was very similar, but when okay. I Googled it, this is the first one that came up. So this We'll have to put this in the show notes because this is essentially what Ruby looked like every single time she woke up from a nap. <laughs> anyway, okay. So I would tell a little story. My, you just, just a few, well, I guess by this point, it'll be like about six weeks ago by the time this airs. But on my birthday, Sarah, you shared a photo of me on my first day of kindergarten. And in I the, look in our Instagram. Yes. adorable. Yes, in their Instagram. I look adorable. My hair is shiny. It had this like perfect little thing that it, it like flipped under on one side and flipped out on the other. You can tell I've had a recent haircut. I look great. Okay. I want to say it was first grade when my parents divorced or maybe like they were starting to get divorced and you can watch my school pictures get like progressively goofier (laughs) where my hair, I think by second grade was just a big snarly rat's nest. And then third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, I have pigtails because my mom put my hair in pigtails every single day for four years. And I think she did that because she realized she was fighting a losing battle. And it was like the one, you know, she was a single mom. She was running a daycare out of the house. I had that kind of hair that does rat up really easily. And for her, I'm not suggesting, by the way, that this is what Helena needs to do. But I just remember if your hair is in two little braids all day, it never has a chance mm-hmm. to get like that. And my mom must because she didn't do that with my sister. But with me, it must have just been like, OK, this is a solution. I'll brush it once in the morning. Pigtails are quick and easy. It wasn't like fancy French braids. It was truly just yep. like two little braids. It'll stay pretty nice all day. And then we won't have to go back <laughs> to those school photos. So I'm only sharing that because, I mean, I just think this is, it's like one of those things where when you're already taxed and there's already so much going on, struggling with your kid over their hair is like the last thing you have the emotional energy for, let alone time for, Um, but also because there might be a really simple workaround that would be just fine for both of you. And maybe it's not that, but maybe it's something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like what you're saying, start somewhere, but maybe. Maybe you might be surprised by how much one change can move the needle. Yes, um, I agree. And I think when it's so daunting, what I'm hearing in Helena's email is that it's very daunting when she knows that they've gone lax with a lot of the expectations yeah. over the summer. 
it's very daunting to anticipate the pushback, especially from a strong-willed kid with sensory issues. Like that's not, there's no joke. Like uh, moms listening are nodding, knowing the kind of battles you're talking about. That is daunting. I would, I would say the same thing that I said to, I think the uh, listener last week with the preschool drop-off, the shy kid at at pre-K drop-off, which is sometimes those extra sensitive kids actually do really well with clear expectations and the, and like, it's not tough love. It's not like, get up and brush your hair. It's not like that. But it's just that knowing that every single day we're going to do the same thing. We're going to brush your hair. Maybe it's at night. Maybe it's in the morning. You're going to put on socks and shoes that we have decided together are comfortable enough for you. And we don't need to have seven choices of shoes or seven choices of socks. We've found the ones that work. You're going to wear them every day. We're going to brush your hair every day. And then and then to to Helena's point, like, she asks, do I just let it go and let her figure it out on her own from peers and potential teasing? I would say no, not not at third grade. I don't think I don't think you'll be happy as a mom. And I don't think yeah. she's quite ready as a kid. But then she says, or put my foot down and prepare for a fight every morning before school. I think there's probably somewhere in the middle and it's going to look like baby steps and those those kind of like few non-negotiables. Um, Violet had a lot of sensory issues with socks and shoes and sometimes clothes. Um, and then actually Luke did too. And there was one summer where I bribed them with build a bear <laughs> for practicing wearing their school uniforms for an entire week before the school year started. Cause they both were having kind of clothing related issues. And, um, I am not opposed as, as I've gone on record to say, not opposed to a well-placed, uh, earned reward when you are practicing a new skill set. It's not like you're going to bribe your kid for the rest of her school career for brushing her hair every day. But when you're right. trying to get over the hump of like a pretty big shift in expectations and a, and a big leveling up of responsibility, um, I think for some kids that can be very motivating. And for us, it looked like practicing the new expectation for a whole week and then going to build a bear. But it could right. look like it could look like anything. It could look like a sticker chart. It could look like, you know. And I think that limiting choices is also very a big part of this. I didn't have a really kids with really big um, sensory issues, but I had a couple of anxious kids. And if they had seven different options for shoes and socks, then even though there was one that's going to be the clear winner, right? When they put that on and it doesn't feel like they hoped, there's like still hope that this other one might be better. It's it's the yes. decision uh-huh. fatigue yeah. creates, it just spirals and... Um, it's kind of like get as best as it can get, but then don't offer too many other options where they can get stuck in that something else might be better. Right. Because they're really trying to solve an anxiety problem, not an actual shoe problem. So it's like, it's that just, it's like being uncomfortable in your own skin, which we have so much compassion for, but also, like you said, it's not, um, there's no cheese down that tunnel of, of having too many choices. Um, oh, cheese. Are you hungry? I am. I was also going to say that this is a great thing to loop in your teacher about once you have established contact. I know, Megan, you have talked. Well, do you want to share a little bit about like when you were going through a divorce, just the importance of that teacher being in the loop? Oh, yeah. Well, it was critical. And that's where I think in the last episode I mentioned that we had some anxiety around homework that sometimes was concocted out of a an idea that my kids had about the necessity of certain things or how much time they were supposed to be sending on it, which didn't end up to necessarily be true. So yeah, being able to loop a teacher in and just say this, 
you know, struggling today or what's really happening in the classroom. Like all of that communication can be so helpful. And it makes you feel better as a mom because they know what's going on with you. And they know you're not just like sending a kid with tangly hair and because you couldn't be bothered that there's a lot going on. And, um, I find getting in front of that always made me feel better. I agree. I agree. Um, there on the hair note, I've had kids who will let someone else brush their hair Mm -hmm. other than mom. And Helena is a single full-time working mom. So I'm not suggesting this is like just available at your disposal, but similar to what you just said, Megan, to the first time kinder mom, you never know what support or, um, like fellow, fellow mom helpers there are until you kind of open your eyes or maybe even ask, but I don't know, I could see a world in which like a teacher or a teacher's aide or a trusted person at the school, it helps kind of do a spot check to make sure your kids got a clean shirt on or like you have, you probably have people in your corner, a bus driver, the neighbors, the carpool, um, who might be able to diffuse some of those power battles, um, in some small way and maybe, maybe not, but I just, just a reminder to look for those people who are totally willing to help out. All right, Megan, I saved this question for last because it is the million dollar question. No, and it pairs nicely with what we were just talking to Helena about. So this comes from Hannah and she asks, how do you motivate your kids to get out the door on time for school mornings? By the end of last year, every morning was like pulling teeth to get them in the car, no matter what time they got up and ate breakfast. I hate being late for anything. And it is so stressful for me when they are dragging their feet because they have no reason to want to get to school on time. I have three kids who are going into fourth grade, second grade and preschool. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm with you. I also hate to be late, but I'm, I'm someone who both hates to be late, but also struggles with, um, filling the last 10 minutes of time I have with 20 minutes of stuff to do and like misjudging how long things take, which can include things like getting in the car. I always think that's going to take five seconds Yeah, and it actually takes much longer or, you know, I overestimate how much I think I can get done in the last five minutes before I leave. And so it ends up going over. So like, I kind of, I deal with that myself. I've also dealt with kids who don't seem to care. Um, <laughs> I guess motivating the kids to me feels like a bit of a fool's errand because yeah, I don't think that's point. how it works. Good point. That's I, such I a good don't point. Think yes. That's how it works until they get much older, where there is truly a consequence. Like when they get into middle school, let's say, or even fourth and fifth grade, you know, they might actually be motivated because there is a consequence at school if they don't get there on time, or maybe they start to get embarrassed or whatever. But yeah, preschooler, they're probably not really noticing. And the second grader, maybe, um, I didn't focus so much on motivating them as creating routines for myself that were sort of cool, like sort of foolproof and didn't give anyone too much time to wander away. Like I was really big because we're not huge early morning people. So I actually shortened my window in the morning to keep people moving. And then it was like, if they sensed that the energy from me was like, let's go, let's go, let's keep this moving along. Then they would just kind of go along with it. Whereas if they sensed the energy from me was like, we have so much time, you guys like settle in, have a leisurely breakfast. Then that's exactly what they did. And we'd be late. So, um, I'm sure that's different. I know in your family, you've got way more morning time. 
Yeah, our struggle often was that my kids were up so early that they had time for things like, um, you know, sitting at what we used to call the Lego table, which was the dining room table covered with Legos. They actually had time to do other things in the morning because they were such early risers. And the trick of that, of course, is that then you're pulling them away from a leisure activity to go to school, which is yes. difficult in its own right, or they're, or you're losing track of time because there's almost too much of it. So yeah, I remember learning that from you, that there is such a thing as too much time. Um, I will offer a couple of like very tactical tips. And I think I have a blog post somewhere about this. And we also have a couple episodes. So I'll link up everything that we have ever done about mornings. One is a really easy one, especially because you have a fourth grader and a second grader is clocks in almost every room that are relatively synced up to the same time. I have always liked a really big analog clock, like a schoolroom clock, um, because even very small kids can, who know their numbers can learn that we leave the house when the big hand is on the four. I mean, that's, you don't even have to know how to tell time if you know your numbers and the big hand. Um, so we've always gone with a big analog schoolroom style clock in our main area, but then just like a little digital clock or a fashionable clock, Take some time at the end of this summer to make sure that the clocks in your house show the right time, that they're relatively synced up. And guess what? Your fourth and second grader are old enough to know what time it is and know what time things happen. And you're right, Megan, motivating them to be intrinsically motivated to get to school on time is a fool's errand. But expecting that they know where to look for what time it is and what they should be doing is not too much to expect, especially of a fourth grader. So that's a really easy thing you can do is do not be the only one in the house who knows what time it is because those children can also know what time it is. Now, you're not you're still going to have to actively manage. I also learned that from you, Megan. Like my second practical tip is don't expect that you are going to do anything else for right. the 30 the for the 30 minutes before getting out the door. You're not going to be on social media, you're not going to be facetiming your mom, you're not going to be like you your um highest purpose, especially at the beginning of the year when these routines are being cemented, if at all possible, is that kind of active management role of keeping people on task. I have found that I yell the most and I feel the, you know, that really crappy feeling when the last thing you do to your kids is yell at them before they go to school. Like I hate it so much, but I, I mean, I think we've all experienced it. And then you're like, the house is quiet and they're gone. And you're like, I feel so or, bad or even worse when you drop them off and you're like, looks like we're late again. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even like a yell. It's just like a sarcastic jab. I've also been guilty of that one. Yeah, it's, yeah. it is. It's, it feels yucky. Okay. So I will say the, the through line, the common denominator of those mornings when I am nasty to my kids and feel so bad about it, the common denominator is me and what I expected I could <laughs> do. Yes in the 20 minutes before we needed to leave the house. Now, I'm not I'm not saying it's my fault. I mean, I want kids to take responsibility, but it's having a false optimism about that I could sit down at my computer and do a little work yep. or I could head out for yeah, a, a run. So, especially at the beginning of the year, I would just really own your role as that um that director of morning operations um and and Yes, give them responsibilities and yes, create a routine and yes, make rules about your shoes have to be on before you can do this and do all those things. But also don't expect that then you get to look at your phone. You get to zone out. It doesn't work that way, (laughs) unfortunately. No. And and it really uh, it, it 
it will later in some ways, but even as a mom of high schoolers now, I still have to keep an eye on things um, for some of the kids, not all of them. Some of them really are very, they do become intrinsically motivated to be on time. But the thing is, if you've got multiple kids, what it's like the lowest common denominator is the one, right? It's the slowest yeah. kid. The, yep. the pace will be matched by the, to the slowest kid, or it's the slowest kid who will determine when all of them get there, unless they all have truly separate routines in the morning. Um, they, everything affects everything. I wanted yeah. to add two things to what you said, Sarah, you said, um, that mom should not be the only one who knows how to read a clock. <laughs> and I would argue that mom should not be the one only one who knows how to do literally anything. So yes. you are, it's like, you do still have to be the one, um, you still have to be the one sort of like emotionally managing <laughs> what's yeah. happening. But, you have to be the one intrinsically motivated because they won't right, be because yeah. they won't be, but you, you can't be the only person who knows where shoes are or yeah. like where lunch boxes are, especially with multiple kids. You're really going to be kicking yourself, um, kicking yourself in the foot. That's not the right thing, but it's the saying uh, shooting yourself in the foot. There you it's go. like kicking yourself in the foot. That doesn't make any sense. Um, yes. So that's not a good position for you to be in. And I would also say that the level of smoothness with which your morning will run is the level of post, like in the early after school hours uh-huh. organization. So yep. if all, when your kids get home from school, if their shoes always go in the same place, their backpacks go in the same place, their lunch boxes go where they're supposed to, whatever, to whatever degree your after school routine is nailed down, that is the exact degree to which your mornings will go off without a hitch. And if it's the other way around it, it, it's going to be chaos. Yeah. And if you have really little kids, um, cause I'm sure we have some people listening to this who don't quite have fourth and fifth graders yet. If you have really little kids, you are probably still doing quite a bit of this. And that I would, I was going to say the same thing the night before, or if you're an early riser and your kids aren't the things you do first thing in the morning before the chaos begins, all those little things, um, can work together to help with the final push out the door. Um, we have a fun little acronym in my family that, uh, the kids learn when they are quite young and it is a I S and that stands for your butt, but not the word that starts with B the one that starts with a, and then in seat. So a I S is the time at which you are seated in the car. And that has really helped our entire family with this idea of like, what time do we have to leave? What time does the carpool come? Like you're, you're right, Megan. There's a, like a 10 minute process of getting out yes. the door in some families, maybe 15 from the time that like the garage door starts opening and closing and people are grabbing their bags. And so for us, we still use AIS. That's the time that you're, you're buckled. If you are still in a buckle or like, if you're in like a car seat or a booster, like you are buckled and actually mom or whoever the driver is, her rear end is in the seat and the car is backing out of the driveway. Your hand that is a- on the gear shift. Yes. yes. That yep. AIS time um, is really useful because over time, like my family has learned, like other things have to happen. That is not the time at which you start to put your shoes on. It yes. just isn't. It's AIS. So if anyone yeah. wants to borrow that. I learned family. that from Sarah and I will say yeah. I, I, m- I murmur it to myself sometimes yeah. when I'm thinking yeah. about like, like trying to backtrack from the time I absolutely have to be there and backtracking, like what actually is the time I need to be on my way out the door to have my AIS at the correct time? Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you. Power Sam. Welcome. Well, Hannah, um, it'll be what it'll be. Mornings are 
there are a lot. Um, and like I said, we do have some other uh, episodes specific and blog content around that. So I'll link those up in the show notes for more, more morning inspiration. Well, this has been really fun. If you haven't had a chance to listen to last week's episode, we talked about all kinds of other back to school listener um, queries, please for advice and help. And so that's a great place to go from this episode. If you haven't already listened, I also want to remind people that I am hosting a retreat, the reinvent retreat right here in my region, Southwest Michigan. There will also be an online component and that will be October 20th to 22nd, 2023. I would love for you to check it out at reinventretreat.com. Use the code MOMHOUR for 15% off and you still have some time for that. It's through August 30th. So reinventretreat.com, code MOMHOUR for 15% off. That sounds so much fun. Definitely go check that out, everybody. And happy back to school. We will be back in your ears a week from today, next Tuesday. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening to The Mom Hour. Everything we talked about in today's episode is available at themomhour.com. And hey, while you're there, you can find more than 500 podcast episodes, plus articles, playlists, and resources about motherhood and parenting at every stage. And if you like today's episode, we'd love it if you would take a minute to share the show with another mom in your life. You can also find us on Instagram at The Mom Hour, chatting and interacting with listeners between episodes. Thanks for being here, friends. We'll talk to you soon. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.